Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where you've heard of Elf on a Shelf, but how about another ring on the King, or MIP on a THT? All right, that's all I got. Uh, Welcome to the start of the regular season for your world champion Los Angeles Lakers, who tonight got their bling bling on their fingers, unfortunately with no fans. They played the Clippers once again, and it's a tradition unlike any other Allen, where we lose to the Clippers on opening night. I think since LeBron's been on this team, this is 0-3 for season openers with LeBron. And it's totally fine. If this is what it feels like to be a champion again, I love it because I we've got nothing to prove. I've got not a care in the world. All I want to see is THT. So I'm your host, John Hernandez. I'm joined by my co-host, Alan Riley. Alan, we haven't had you on in a while. It's almost Christmas, which is crazy to think about. The NBA is back, and the Lakers are back. They got the rings. They lost to the Clippers. But how are you feeling tonight? I feel fine, dude. Pretty uh, largely unaffected by the outcome of this game. Uh, if you know, if we look back to like a year ago and how we felt losing on opening night against the Clippers compared to now, is night and day, dude. So uh, kind of saw it coming. It's all good. The, I'm still like high off the ring ceremony. Did yeah. not kill the did not kill the buzz whatsoever. Absolutely, and we'll get into that. And you know, I I couldn't muster up the energy to even really be upset about anything that happened in this game, even when we were down by 21. In fact, when we made that like 17 to three run in the second quarter, I was just kind of cracking up. I was like, the Lakers are just purely going off based off of their talent in a vacuum. The Clippers have more continuity than we do. And they obviously, I wrote it on Twitter. Are these guys overcompensating for something or or what? (laughs) (laughs) Paul George is, that's for damn sure. Oh yeah. I mean, hey, props to Paul George. Whatever. He played a hell of a game. He played a hell of a game. And at a certain point, you know, it didn't matter how, whether or not anybody played good defense on him, he was going to hit that shot unless we were going to stick Anthony Davis on him. But at that point, the game was already lost. But uh, hey, the Lakers finally lost a preseason game, Alan. They are four (laughs) and one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the Clippers finally won a preseason finally game. Won, exactly. <laughs> They're one and four. You know, I mean, jokes aside, though, it kind of felt like Frank Vogel was treating this as a preseason game, given the fact that he was toggling the rotations back and forth. 
There was that THT Alex Caruso lineup with like six minutes left in the game. It's a tough thing when you have a team this talented, but also when you have a team that during the four games in preseason didn't have their main guys play in even two or three of those. And I'm talking about Dennis Schroeder, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. They at most played two games. So you're sort of going to get a game like this where Frank Vogel's experimenting and just hoping on the fly that this team will stem the tide. And for a little bit, they did. But they inevitably succumb to the Clippers, who, uh, you know, they look pretty rusty in preseason. And obviously, after seeing the Lakers get their rings tonight, probably had something to prove. They were working off of that. Lakers lose 109 to 116. Um, in spite of that ridiculous third quarter where they scored 35 to the Clippers 17, played some good defense. We're going to get into the positives of what we saw because, again, we're going to treat this like a preseason game and sort of just dissect what went well and not hang our heads too much on what went wrong. Um, but first, let's talk about the, the ring ceremony because that's the biggest news of the day, the Lakers finally being crowned as champions. Again, unfortunately, without any actual Lakers fans in the crowd, which is unfortunate, but I guess given the context of everything, and I don't know how, how you felt coming into it, but... I guess I wasn't that excited to actually see it, you know, knowing coming into it that it wouldn't feel the same. But after watching it and seeing how the Lakers sort of set everything up and, you know, had that really nice video at the start where the frontline workers at UCLA were introducing the coaching staff, I thought that was a really classy move by the Lakers. And then to surprise the players and then Rob Palenka with, and some of the other coaching staff with, uh, their own family members, presenting them with the rings, I thought was a really nice touch as well. And I think that really brought the feels of the night for me. And it was really cool to see the guys sort of, um, even without fans, you know, get emotional as they were watching those videos of their family, you know, just announcing their rings. Um, so that was really cool. But yeah, what were your thoughts on, on the ring ceremony? Yeah, I mean, the fact that there was an opportunity, you know, to get creative with the ring ceremony because of everything that's going on um, and, and promoting, you know, this idea that the Lakers are a family first organization is obviously mm -hmm. very consistent, right, um, <clears throat> with like our values. And uh, it's awesome that the players had no idea <laughs> that this was actually going to happen and unfold like this. You could tell that they were genuinely surprised and, uh, you know, just to see all their faces light up in such a you know, spontaneous, authentic, you know, type of way was great. Um, I feel like Jared Dudley's kids really stood out to oh, me. I liked yeah. how his, his, you know, his son was like, dad, you inspire me to like achieve my dreams and you know, all this kind of stuff like that. I was like, oh man, like, you know, Duds <laughs> is such a good like speaker off the cuff kind of guy himself. Um, and then his kids seem to have inherited, you know, that same kind of gift. Um, you know, LeBron was like smiling from ear to ear. I don't, I think it was Damon Rangula. He posted on Twitter. The one thing that we can all relate to with LeBron is like, not that you and I have kids, but like, mm -hmm. no matter what, your kids aren't going to be impressed with you. So you could tell like Bryce and Bronny were just like, yeah, dad, congrats. I felt like Whatever. they were trolling. <laughs> oh, for sure. Totally. For sure. And, like, that's what you would do, like, to your yeah. dad, you know? Like, no matter what, I'm going to give him a hard time. So uh, it was just cool, you know, to have that that real family, you know, tight, connected feel. Um, so, yeah, I, I really liked it. There, there are definitely some parts where I was like, whew, like, this yeah, is good stuff, yeah. man. Yeah. For sure. 
I wish the LeBron's kids had done a little Taco Tuesday shout out knowing oh, that God. it would have been done today, you know? Um, I forgot who said it on Twitter. I think it was uh, at his and her Lakers. But uh, when Rob Palenka's family came up, he, he, he tweeted, yo, I didn't know Rob Palenka married Topanga from Boy Meets World. <laughs> Topanga! I thought that was hilarious. Of course Rob Palenka would marry Topanga. Oh, and, um, too good. You know, when, when Rob Palenka got his ring and he held up the 2-4, the that was really touching, obviously. Yep. And um, yeah, overall, just again, considering the circumstances and the context, like I don't think the Lakers could have handled it any better, any classier. Um, the banner? Yeah, the banner too, just kind of cool. saving that. For it's the cool they even have really a placeholder cool. for it. Because yeah. I was kind of thinking like, I mean, I think it is obviously good that they're going to wait for fans being in the arena. But then I thought, if there's just like an empty space up there, like nothing happened, right? Yeah. Like that would kind of suck. If I'm right, a player, right. I want to look up and see something that commemorates mm-hmm. it. So the fact that they had like the creativity to have the banner up already and then there's a message, uh, I thought that was extremely well executed. For sure. And and the best part is, I tweeted it out, but we had guys like Ty Lu, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard who all could have been Lakers if they had chosen to become Lakers. I'm just glad that they were there to witness it firsthand. <laughs> the Lakers getting their rings and them maybe in the back of their head saying, oh, I was actually pretty close to, to, to getting one of these if I just made the right decision. It's uh, their choice. But, hey, but you guys won tonight's game, so that's really all that matters. Um, so one thing that I did observe and notice was, and it's just a byproduct of this weird pandemic where we're in this surreal... Uh, dystopian universe but in some senses it worked out because in a way because of the six feet apart thing the way that they had like the training staff it almost looked regal in a sense you know like it was part of the whole setup of like where the the stanchions were for the rings or whatever kind of reminded me of band alan like (laughs) like a formation (laughs) oh my god (laughs) (laughs) marching band that is so yeah um, but yeah overall you know like it was it was a great night and um obviously the game started it had to start at some point and I, I mean, I predicted this. I was on a, I was a guest on a podcast, the uh, the Lake Lake si- Lakers side chats, I believe. And Alan asked me another Alan, but with an E. Everybody keeps calling you the E, Alan, but you're no, the no, Alan. no. That's the wrong way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Alan with an E asked me what I thought about you know this game, and I was like, I've been through too many of these types of openers to know, especially a, a Lakers ring ceremony sort of game, no less. To, to be confident that the Lakers would pull this out because there's so many emotions going on and you, you take into account the, the rust factor of, and I know the Lakers won like 4-0 in preseason, but that was largely off the backs of THT and Kuzma. Like we weren't actually playing set rotations, you know? So um, given all those things, this was highly expected. Um, but there were some good things to glean from, from this game. Uh, not the least of which was that second quarter that we've been referencing when the Lakers just uh, pushed things into overdrive. They played defense, held the Clippers to like zero points for a like, good amount of time while they uh, started scoring on their end with that bench unit. Trez, uh, Schroeder, Kuzma was in there a little bit as well. Um, Marcus Gasol was in hell a lot of foul trouble from the moment he stepped foot on the court, which was unfortunate. So we didn't really get to see him shine. We've seen him shine uh, for two games in the preseason, though. But uh, I guess what stood out to you positively? What, what were the players that stood out to you in, in this game? Obviously, there were two in particular uh, from our new guys. But uh, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's Schroeder and Trez, right? Um, I mean, Schroeder didn't have a very efficient shooting night. I think he was 5 for 15. But, uh, I mean, we saw that quick first step, you know, off the dribble, um, just beating guys, driving to the basket. Uh, Trez had a double-double. I know we've talked before about how his rebounding, you know, has been kind of, but depends on, like, the defensive coverages. So, I mean, tonight he pulled down double digits on the boards, which is cool. Um, As far as what else stood out to me in a good way, um, I thought AD could have been more aggressive, but like he didn't get nearly as many shots, shot attempts as I thought he would get, but he was very decisive when he had the ball, right? Like, um, on the broadcast, they were talking about him getting in a rhythm and all that kind of stuff. And, um, he was isolating just like how he left off last season saying, you know, with Kobe, right? You got five, six, seven seconds on the shot clock. He's in the mid range. He's going to do whatever he wants. And we saw, you know, a lot of that tonight again. Um, LeBron obviously started heating up. (laughs) I think he just needed like a few minutes, right? Just to like get his legs underneath him again and get in that rhythm and all that kind of stuff. Barely played the preseason. Those jams in transition by Braun were sick. Dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> the one-handed crushers, and especially that one in the third quarter uh, where Schroeder hit him with that really nice laser bullet pass. Dude, chest that was pass. hot. That was sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. So uh, plenty of exciting moments in the game, mm-hmm. without a doubt. You know, stuff to be happy about. Just, you know, flashes here and there. Yeah. A little throwback. So, yeah. Uh, it wasn't like a terribly frustrating game, you know what I mean, where we just look completely out of sync. Uh, we we just got to string it together a little bit better next time. But yeah. overall, I, I had fun, you know, watching it. Yeah. It's all good. Yeah. I mean, look. Basketball's fun, you know. It is fun. Glad basketball's yeah. back. Kevin Durant's looking great. Jeez, yeah. But look, uh... you said the Lakers need to string it together, and that's exactly correct because they largely played – like 85% of this game based off of the talent of individual players without really any cohesion to back it up. Uh, the Lakers were sloppy as heck. I'm actually surprised that the turnover disparity wasn't that big, but the Lakers had 19 turnovers to the Clippers 16. Um, the, the Lakers actually shot 47% from the field, which is surprising. Um, I guess they made it up a little bit at the end there when it was kind of garbage time. Um, they shot pretty decently well from the free throw stripe, 77%, and that's with Schroeder, like, missing two or whatever. So that's one of my predictions, actually, for this season, us being able to really raise our free throw percentage. And, you know, this, we only went to the line 31 times, and I say only, we we went to the line uh, 12 more times than the Clippers did, but I felt like there were a lot of calls that... You know, we should have probably gotten there more. Schroeder got hacked on a couple drives. Braun obviously did. Kuzma did. Um, But yeah, I I guess before we get into the rest of this game and the meat of this game and analyze anything else, just wanted to remind everybody to please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app because the more you rate and review us five stars, Alan, tell our listeners what will happen the moment they do that. That's how many more pick and roll um, sequences you're going to see from Trez and Schroeder. And that's how many more times you're going to see them put their two heads together and encourage each other and root each other wrong. There's a lot of that tonight, which yes. is super exciting. Yeah, absolutely. There so we go. You'll see so, more of that if you do it. Let's go. So please, please, we beg of you, rate and review us five stars on the Apple Podcast app. We're trying to get to 500. We're at 433 right now, so we're well on our nice. way. Uh, also, if you'd like to help us out financially at 
in any small way, you can go to patreon.com slash the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where you'll also get some exclusive content throughout the season there as well. All right, back to this game. Um, like I mentioned, uh, disjointed. This felt like preseason game five for the players and Frank Vogel. Lots of sloppy turnovers. Guys not really knowing where other guys were, <laughs> you know, and like passing the ball out of bounds. Guys not <laughs> being in the right position. There's a lot of Schroeder being like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's pretty demonstrative with his body yeah. language, and so I mean, that, to, that'll be to, fun to watch. To start this game, right, who were the two sloppiest players? It was Braun and AD because yeah, they haven't sure. been playing in preseason, you know? And you could tell they were super frustrated and just not their timing was all off. It's, I was almost like, thank God we had Schroeder in the starting lineup. You know, I know, I know that was a point of contention coming in, but he seemed like the only one who was sort of competent offensively at the start. Um, but, you know, eventually everybody sort of settled down. We got those flashes and glimpses in the second quarter. Um, but Schroeder had a double-double, too. In fact, he led the team in rebounding tonight with 12, if you can believe it or not. It was a triple-double watch for Dennis Schroeder, 14-12-8. and eight. Uh, He had a phenomenal game. Uh, let's, let's land on, on Schroeder first because we only really got to see him for maybe like one and a half games in the preseason. And, you know, he, in that small amount of time, I think he had 10 points the first game. He, he looked really solid, too. You know, he was getting to whatever spot he wanted to get to. I called him a teleporter because he's so slithery. Uh, but tonight, it, that, that just sort of continued in spades. Like, he was hitting his three-point shot from the get-go. That mid-range jump shot where he kind of just pulls it back on a string on a, and he's able to pull up on a dime is money. Um, and he's just so crafty when he gets in there. It's almost like that Aaron Brooks dilemma when you, guy, you have a guy mm. that, that fast and, and small, he can kind of get through the creases. And I think what I loved about Schroeder, and Tommy and I were texting back and forth about this, is he has such a good like pace toggle, <laughs> if that yeah. makes any sense. Like He knows how to go really fast. He knows how to pull it back. Um, and... Yeah, I was just really impressed by pretty much everything he did, just teleporting all over the court. And I think in that third quarter, there was like, I think five or six possessions where he either scored the ball or assisted several guys, you know, and like his fingerprints were all over that third quarter. But yeah, what else did you see from Schroeder that you liked? Yeah, I kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, I agree with everything that you just said, but his communication you know, with other guys on the team. I mean, him being a brand new player, that's obviously going to be important just in terms of getting caught up with everybody so you're all on the same page. And you can see how vocal he is, you know, pulling guys aside during free throws and, mm. and talking with them. And you can tell there's a lot of, like, um, like conducting going on, yeah. right? Um, and, and again, I, I think that he's, like, a pretty demonstrative player. I know people like to comp him with Rondo a lot. And Rondo's more, much more like, like cerebral in a sense where like you can't really tell what's going on unless you hear him like yelling at the refs. But Schroeder, I, I feel like he really wears it on his sleeve, and uh, I like that edge, you know, yeah. because a lot of our guys in that respect tend to be a little bit more subdued. But you get that with Trez for sure. You get that emotion now with Schroeder. So I that stood out to me. Um, but like you said, his ability to accelerate, stop on a dime, have really good control. Um, those are things that we have not experienced at the point guard position in quite some time, as we've talked mm -hmm. about so many times before. Um, yeah, he's, he's really aggressive when it comes to pulling the trigger, like you said, from behind the three point line. So 
you know, there's this like curse that we talk about when players come to the Lakers, they can't knock down their three point shots. We won't talk about Wesley Matthews, whatever, but like, <laughs> you know, it's like, Oh, Schroeder, like he played, he's shot so well from three point, right. From with OKC. And then, ah, it becomes the Lakers. It's probably going to go down. But tonight we saw the production as well. And then defensively, I feel like he locked up yeah. as well. Yeah. He was really pesky out there, really getting like underneath guys' jerseys, um, playing way above the three point line. So, um, yeah, it was really, really fun to watch. I'm glad his ankle is all good now. Um, so, yeah, I, I think what I'm looking forward to most is just that chemistry with him and Trez, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, that pick and roll, pick and pop kind of situations. And then uh, just him helping LeBron kind of like take the, the load off of him, right, by like being that ball handler. And then LeBron doesn't have to exert as much energy, especially this season coming off, you know, 71, 72 days or whatever it's been. Yeah, no, I agree with you, especially on the defensive end. It's been nice to see Schroeder sort of buy in and really move his feet, fight over screens and uh, yeah, really be a pest and harass people out there. Uh, Let's talk about his pick and roll partner, Trez. And that's one thing that I wish we saw more of, like a staggering of Schroeder with that bench lineup, because that bench unit seems so dynamic and you just kind of want to get them out there. If you're not going to play THT, then have Schroeder with Kuzma and and, uh, Trez out there. But uh yeah, Trez, 17 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists, 1 block. Uh, I had my friend Andy on the last podcast doing our season predictions episode, and he actually predicted that Trez would average a double-double for the first time in his career this season, and he's well on pace uh, after tonight's <laughs> game. Obviously, a large part of that is due to Marcus Gasol having foul trouble, but it sort of makes sense because Trez is essentially the backup center and probably going to play a large majority of the minutes at that spot. And if Anthony Davis is going to be... You know, the shot blocker, there's going to be a lot of boards to be had, and Trez is definitely doing his part offensive rebounding-wise, defensive rebounding-wise to gobble up those rebounds. And yeah, I think even before tonight's game, the thing that impressed me the most about Trez was, I don't know about you, but for whatever reason coming into it, I thought that Trez would be more of a prima donna and feel a little bit more entitled like, I wasn't sure how he would fit, you know, coming in as a six-man of the year and having some sort of cachet and, and being a guy who, you know, you could dump it down to and he could create for his own. But in the preseason, he never really forced anything, like, at all. And usually, if when you're that good, you'd mo- kind of get those moments where you'd snap back at a guy and, like, clap your hands and be like, you should have given me the ball. But I'm, I haven't seen any of that from Trez. He sort of just gets his shots when he can get them within the flow of the offense or if something breaks down. And he seems to be running those plays really well where he's setting down screens for Kuzma and he's totally fine doing it, you know? And that's been like the most refreshing part for me that this guy is just seems so bought in on every level. And then he still gets 17 points because he's just that good cleaning up, you know? And he has those like, you know, three or four times a game where they'll literally just dump it down to him and he'll use his quickness, agility, and speed to like get Zoo off his feet or whatever. And his finishing ability is just nuts, man. I mean, he finishes like a guard in there uh, when you think he probably should be getting offensive foul calls or whatever. No, he's, he's slipping in there. He got an and one tonight. And, uh, yeah, I was really impressed by Trez. He had that superhero swat on Pat Bev. That was fun, you know. Loved and they it. had that little, Loved it. they had that little talk with each other at the end. Trez and uh, uh, Schroeder are almost like compadres in terms of just like they're they're very locked in emotionally, you know. Uh huh. Um, yeah. So yeah, what were your thoughts on Trez tonight? Yeah, for sure. He he's a good guy at like fitting in. Versus, like, fitting out to pull an old, like, LeBron saying from his Cleveland days. Um, 
it's a quiet 17 points that he scored too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like in my mind, I can kind of go back and, okay, I remember this bucket and that bucket and he got to the line a good amount of times. But uh, like you said, he gets his shots when they come to him and it's not really like, um, you know, he's not having his number called, right, to just isolate, even though he can totally do that. Um, I, I love his touch, like you said, in the paint. He is really good at that, like, jump hook. It's almost like a push shot because he elevates a lot. But he's got really good touch. Um, and then, like you said, uh, yeah, his chemistry with Schroeder. I, I feel like, like you said, like they're kind of compadres in that emotionally, like they are kind of juiced up all the time. And then they also came, you know, to our team within like a couple days of each other. So it just feels like, you know, they're like buddies who sit on the bus and the plane <laughs> with each other yeah. kind of a thing, right? Like let's, as a, as a tandem, like try to fit in with this championship squad. Um, so yeah, you can already like feel that chemistry building uh, super early on. And uh, yeah, it just seems like he has a really great attitude. You know, you mentioned like the prima donna thing. Honestly, I think that just comes from the fact that he was a clipper. And like Probably. we just lump him in with like him and Pat Bev, right? Like you look at how they were, you know, on the bench, like doing their thing last year. So of course we're going to have like a negative impression of the dude. And now there's no more of that BS on this team for him to like be in on. So um I mean, I love seeing like him and AD kind of going at each other on social media, like in right. their Instagram stories, <laughs> like just just clowning on each other, you know, making fun of each other about stuff. It's pretty awesome to see him fitting in so quickly. Um, so yeah, it, it's super fun. Every time he comes in the game, it's like okay, I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah, I mentioned he's like that meta world piece shot in the arm that we needed uh -huh. for that second repeat run. You know, it's just kind of yeah. always gonna keep us on our toes if we're, we're lacking that energy and effort on any given night. Unfortunately, it didn't carry through till the end today here, but there's only so much you can do. And, and look, Marcus Gasol only played 12 minutes, and Marcus Gasol was such a revelation, even in the few minutes he played in the preseason, where I've mentioned a couple times now where he reminds me of like a, a lighthouse or a beacon, just leading <laughs> ships wherever they need to go, because the, <laughs> the dude doesn't move, right? But the beams are coming out from him, and he's like slinging these passes to guys on the move. I like that. And uh, he's orchestrating the entire vibe of the offense. And he only had one assist tonight. So that was a huge element that we were missing. I mean, what did you see a lot of tonight offensively? Back to the ISO-ISO game. Schroeder just create off of your own offensive br brilliance. LeBron, same. Anthony Davis, how many times did he just take step-back jump shots? Granted, he continued hitting them from the playoffs, which is great. But as I mentioned, like tonight we just kind of saw individuals in a vacuum performing well, but nothing was sort of consistently tied together um, amongst units. So, and I think that's an area that Marc Gasol would have definitely helped a lot in. Um, I want to shout out KCP. He had a really great first half before he banged up the left part of his quad or knee or whatever because of Zub that Zubat screen. Uh, he looked dynamic, fast. He had that really nice transition dunk. Um, was playing really great defense as well. Um, THT only played 10 minutes to the chagrin and dismay of, of many Lakers fans. He did have six points, one steal, one rebound. I think he probably should have played a little bit more and took some of Alex Caruso's minutes away, who was looking pretty rusty as well. I thought they were going to ease Caruso in a little bit more, given that he was banged up you know, for most of this preseason. But again, Frank Vogel still working with... Um, working out the kinks of his lineups, and I think THT will continue to get some run, although we did start to see some of his youth come into play um, in that second quarter, picking up two quick fouls and getting sort of, uh, not abused, but, you know, a, a, a Lou Will-like 
Lou Will, a vet like Lou Will will know how to take advantage of a young guy like Taylor Horton Tucker, and that's sort of what you saw. Even though I don't think he should have gotten the foul call, you know, he had, he just had his hands up. Um, but unfortunately, THT is going to have to learn, um, and I do hope we get to see more of him. We'll talk about THT at the second uh, second half of this episode since you haven't been able to talk about him. Um, Last thing I'll say about this game is Cal Kuzma. He had 15 points. Wasn't looking too hot there the first three quarters, especially defensively against Paul George. Uh, PG was kind of blowing past him, uh, hitting a bunch of shots. But there was a certain point where it didn't matter who you stuck on PG. He was just going to drill that shot. Um, with Kuzma, though, what I liked was, and this has been a theme this preseason, hit them, one, actively putting him, him in down screens and pin downs and him curling off of those screens and the one thing he's been doing pretty well from the start of this preseason has been just shooting off the curl you know like we haven't had a guy who can do that like ever we danny green wasn't even that type of shooter you know but kuzma not even taking a dribble and just rising up and shooting it Uh, i think he hit like three or four of those types of shots one of them was a three the other two or three were like long twos which i know is going to frustrate people but again this is a preseason game. I'm pretty sure Kuzma will just shore that up and get his foot behind the line and understand his positioning better moving forward. What I like to see right now is he's just taking those shots and hitting them, you know, because that's going to be a huge thing for us if Kuzma can reliably hit these off-the-curl, like, bang-bang shots. You know, he's already got those baseline shots down, shooting 54%, the highest uh, percentage shooter from the Lakers last year. But if he can shoot above the break curling off of screens that's going to be huge for his development our development and it's nice to see that they were actively making that part of a game plan you saw it as part of like atos right like right out of a timeout like uh trez would be setting that down screen Kuz would be curling off of it and lebron or ad actively throwing him the ball for him to shoot so was there anything that you saw from from Kuz or any other things you wanted to point out no, I agree with you. It definitely looked like they set some things up for him. They're more intentional about getting him involved in the game. Um, you know, I don't know what's going on with him in terms of finishing around the basket. It was an yeah. issue during preseason, too. It just it looks like his timing is just off or something. Yeah. Or, like, he's he's concerned about, I don't know, like, contact, like, getting fouled or getting his shot blocked or whatever. But it's like a bar of soap, like, just squirting out of his hand or something it's like that was his you gotta like you know yeah that was his that was his thing his rookie and sophomore years you know hit we're like antoine jameson like you know all these different comparisons he needs he needs to sort of regain that swagger back a little bit yeah dude and now i'm like what is going on with you you're like (laughs) Derek fisher around the rim dude come on (laughs) be like Derek fisher against the celtics in that one game where he got fouled by three different dudes come on i agree with you it's almost like i don't want to say this to throw shade but it's randall-esque a little bit it's like oh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say, touch, bro. there were a couple of times where I thought he got bumped and fouled that he didn't get the calls. But usually, I mean, that's not an excuse because rookie sophomore Kuz would still make that and exactly. get the hand one. So, yeah, I think it's probably him just. Uh, so it's like the looks are there. Like he's yeah. getting to the rim too. Like those yeah. are not bad shots either. It's probably him adjusting again to you know being on a team where they're actively looking for him again. And like, Mm. because I mean, last year he was more of a spot up shooter who couldn't really shoot consistently. But now he's like, okay, (laughs) on this team, on this team, I'm moving like crazy and I'm actually going to get the ball. They're actually, he's in that Ray Allen role that Paul George hates, right? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) exactly. So I think that'll be, again, this is preseason game five. Uh, Like you said, he's getting those looks. They're easy looks. This easy, correctable thing. So, 
Um, all right, with that said, we'll take it to break. When we return, we're just going to keep talking about THT. Alan's had hasn't gotten a chance to talk about the boy wonder. Um, so, yeah. All right, we are back. One last thing that I wanted to point out about the game is I know a bunch of people are probably going to be ragging on Wes Matthews being 0 for 2. I will say it's tough for Wes Math to only play 11 minutes and not really have a rhythm. That's not an excuse on him, obviously, but... His two three-point shots came within the span of one minute in the third quarter where he he took his first shot, you know, like eight minutes into the game. Um, he's him and a lot of the players on this team, just because of how stacked this team is and how Vogel is going to want to give everybody a fair shot, are just going to have to learn how to be able to produce without much rhythm beforehand. You know, that's just something that everybody's going to have to deal with. And Wes Matthews is a vet. I think he'll be totally fine with that respect. But um but yeah, just, just I, I don't think it's a big deal whatsoever. Yeah, I, I had the same feeling. Like it's not really his role that he's been used to. You know, when he was in Milwaukee, he was getting bigger minutes. He was starting. So, uh, yeah, it'll just take some time. People just got to be patient. Yeah. Uh, Alan. Jonathan. Talon <laughs> Hunter Tucker. <laughs> Talon Hunter Tucker. As Kevin Harlan would say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, THT. The Boy Wonder. MIP on a THT. Van Halen on a Talon. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what have your thoughts been? Because we haven't gotten your take yet on yeah. what we've seen from this kid in the preseason, and just you know, all the people are gonna pump their brakes that he only got ten minutes tonight and six points. But we know what this kid can do when given the minutes. And yeah, what are your thoughts on THT? Um, he's like, like a man child, you know. <laughs> yes. He's twenty. Just recently turned 20 years old. Um, but he's like a combination of Andre Miller in that mm-hmm. he's really crafty and all that kind of stuff, right? But Andre Miller is like not athletic, <laughs> right? Whereas yeah. THT can get up, right? Um, he has longer arms than Andre Miller, I'm sure. In that sense, like our friend Victor, who we've you know, shouted out a few times on this pod before. He's like, yeah, he's kind of like Andre Iguodala too. It's like he's just all these Andres, I guess. <laughs> like, Iguodala's Andre like, you know? I know, right? Exactly, <laughs> best rapper ever. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, dude, he's he's a, got a very mature game, obviously, uh, very under control. Um, I think you mentioned it in our group chat that he's like one of our most well-rounded, all-around type players, mm-hmm. right? Like, we know he can get his own shot. But he, he's not, like, just a scorer either. Um, so, I mean, what a revelation, you know? Like, it, it's crazy that we snagged him, of course, where we did in the draft. And, you know, his stock fell because of injuries and all that kind of stuff. And here we come in, you know, being up on things, and we swooped right in there. So, uh, I, I do think that despite, you know, the rotation tonight, whatever, it's still the preseason for us. Um, as the weeks and months go on, we're going to see him featured in a much more prominent role. Yeah. Um, because depending on what our bench unit looks like, right, when LeBron and AD are kind of switching in and out, um, he's a guy that obviously can get his own shot, <laughs> like pretty much whenever he wants. Um, but again, it, it's not just uh, in like a one-dimensional fashion, right? He can like step back from 27 feet. He can drive it. He can... Uh, he's got a mid-range jumper. He can mm-hmm. play in the post, right? Like it's like, dude, I just named like pretty much everything that a player can do offensively. Um, beat guys off the dribble and like yam it down on dudes' heads. Yeah, that that's like a what the hell? Like where'd that come from? You know? And I mean, his body transformed 
between the pandemic break you know all of a sudden he dropped how many pounds right and like cut his body fat percentage down so clearly the dude is committed right he's gonna work hard it it, for him it really did seem like there was his rookie season and then when the bubble started that was like year two for him and now we're in like year three already for this guy right it's bizarre it's crazy but he's still like a rookie you know what i mean this is like his first like real time playing Mm -hmm. but he's already a three-year vet so um yeah dude it's it's crazy it's uh just another one of those gems that we picked up yeah and this type of stuff is not supposed to happen where you're a championship team and then you somehow land a lottery pick the year later you know because tht is essentially a lottery pick he's younger than more than 40 players in this draft class and he honestly if he was drafted with this same class knowing what we know now Probably would have gone top three, if not the number one pick, although James Wiseman looked pretty good tonight. Um, But Andy joked that in the playoffs, it seemed like maybe in that one stint against the Houston Rockets, there was a transference of powers between him and James Harden. And like (laughs) everything's gone downhill for James since then, and everything's gone uphill for Taylor Horton Zucker. And I'm I'm privy, I'm pretty primed to believe that a little bit. Um, But I mean, jokes aside. I think the most impressive part about Taylor Horton Tucker is right now, outside of the maturity of his game when he's dribbling, is his finishing ability against contact. Mm-hmm. How do you have that that refined game? Dude, that one against DeAndre Ayton? Yes. I mean, every single shot he's taking when he's getting bumped is an and one, essentially. You know, we're talking about Kuzma can't finish like he has been, like he did when he was a rookie and sophomore. Taylor Horton Tucker is finishing like that right now. You know, like every single play, it's going to be hard to officiate him because the Mm. moment he gets his long arms in there, it's probably going to be a, he's getting contact every single time, you know, and right now he's not expecting the call. He's just going up and finishing regardless. And so he's going to be a handful to contain for these teams, man. And tonight he was kind of playing a bit bit out of position in terms of, I thought it was a little peculiar that Frank Vogel had him out there, but had... Alex Caruso as the primary ball creator, you know, where I felt like that should have probably been in Talon's hands, given the fact that that's the role Vogel gave him all throughout preseason. Now, Talon's going to need to learn how to play off ball and do all those little things for sure. Uh, But tonight, we obviously didn't see the best parts of him because he kind of wasn't in that role, nor did he get the minutes or opportunity and usage. And I think that'll slowly begin to happen. So uh, I'm excited for this season. And I think Uh, As we've seen from, this is super high expectations, but as we've seen from guys like MPJ and Tyler Hero, if you get an opportunity and minutes in the regular season and you prove yourself reliable, anything can happen in the playoffs. And in fact, Taylor Horton Tucker already got a dress rehearsal of that last year when he played meaningful minutes in the playoffs. So why can't that extend beyond just that one stint, especially during a season where he's probably going to get more minutes and more of a role due to the fact that we're probably going to arrest more guys. So I'm excited to see what THT is going to do and how he's going to prove himself even more to Frank Vogel. Um, to close the show, Alan, uh, we had one big extension news happen with uh, Kyle Kuzma. One last extension, as if Rob Palenka couldn't do any more, right? To, to close the offseason, he gets this, uh, especially after the contracts we've seen flying around, right after that. It's like Kuzma was like the domino effect for like really bad deals all of a sudden. In some ways, it reminds me of when we pulled off the Schroeder trade, where we were the first team to make any sort of move, and then after that, Chris Paul trade, and then all these other trades happened. In the same vein, Cal Kuzma get this, gets this bargain deal extension from the Lakers, and then all of a sudden, 
Derek White, $72 million. Uh, Markel Fultz, $50 million. Jonathan Isaac's going to be out the whole next season. $20 million every year. <laughs> you know, Luke Kennard, a guy that we saw tonight, $16 million for four years for his four points tonight. Uh, and then Kyle Kuzma, you know, an average of around $13 million a year, which is just about $3 million more than the mid-level exception next year. Um for a guy who was coming into an offseason next year where the best free agents were going to be Victor Oladipo and DeMar DeRozan, this dude could have surely gotten like $18 million. But, you know, the Lakers were able to work out a favorable deal with him that kind of served both parties' purposes of uh, them being able to retain him and not lose him for nothing. And then for Kuzma, staying in a pretty good situation and set up for him where he can continue to grow and contribute to a winning team and prove that he is a winning role player... Uh, but also still go back out onto the market if he so pleases while he's like 28 years old. Uh, but one, yeah, what were your thoughts when that happened? And were you expecting that? Because the time was sort of, the clock was sort of ticking and I didn't think they were going to get anything done at that point because I had thought, yeah, they were probably trying to get him at $12 million. And if it hasn't happened by now, it's probably not going to happen. But Rob Palenka found a way adding that player option. And yeah, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's a total win-win situation for both parties, right? Like you said, he has that flexibility later on to go out and, uh, you know, earn more money if he wants by opting out. Uh, And it does eliminate kind of that elephant in the room, like, oh, what's going to happen with him, you know, kind of a thing where we just lock him up right now. Uh, We're in that championship window, and uh, to have that consistency and – just like predictability and security of what's going to be going on, you know, for the next year or two, uh, I think is we're looking at the big picture for sure. And we're also paying attention to, you know, the here and now at the same time. So uh, Rob Palinka, dude, I mean, <laughs> I, I think, you know, his knowledge of the CBA as well as, you know, relationship building too, is, yep. is totally key. Like having that trust, um, and I think openness in communication with everyone yeah. on the team, like that's ultimately what it comes down to is those solid relationships. So, yeah, it was, it was really good news. And like you said, I mean, I was surprised. I, I didn't anticipate this happening at this moment for sure. Yeah, I think they also added this like poison pill stipulation to his current contract this year that makes it harder for him to be traded because his outgoing salary to a team, whatever team is trading for him this year, would be taking on like $10 million, even though his salary is 3.5. So I think that's a nice little wrinkle. I'm not sure if Rob Palenka added it or it's just part of what happens in an extension. But if it's something that Rob Palenka was able to finagle into his contract by assuring Kuz like, hey, uh, if we try and trade you, we're going to make it hell of a lot difficult for us to do so this year, you know? So I I think he still can be traded uh, as long as it's like a contract contract. three years or below. I know usually if it's three years or, or above that people have to wait six months in order to trade the player. So Kuzma still can be traded, but in that unlikely scenario, Rob Palenka told Kuz, we're going to limit our own options so that you can feel a little bit secure and safe, which is really cool. Um, and then on top of it, one thing I thought about outside of giving Kuzma a bit of peace of mind and allowing him to focus on just doing all the little things and making all the winning plays versus, oh, I still have to audition and get my numbers is I think an un- unintended effect or maybe intended effect is that it sort of allows Frank Vogel to use Kuzma however way he likes or wants and actually integrate him without fearing that 
Hmm. What's the point? Am I interrogating a guy that's going to be gone this summer anyways or mid-season because we're going to trade him? But now that's kind of taken away from Frank in terms of, oh, he's a long-term piece, you know? So feel free to give him minutes. Feel free to commit to Kyle Kuzma. And I feel like that's the sort of freedom that maybe Frank was sort of wrestling in his mind as well, given how talented the roster already is and like trying to reward a guy who helped you win a championship last year and a guy that you like who works his butt off, you know, like, man, how many minutes am I going to give Kuzma? if we're not even sure he's going to stay on this team and I might be trading him in the next like three months, you know? But now that he knows for sure, oh, Kyle Kuzma's going to be here for at least the next two and a half years. Oh, for sure, for sure, integrate him, you know? Act like he's a long-term piece. So um, I think on all ends, it's just a, a huge positive. And as I've mentioned on Twitter, it just gives everybody on the Lakers good vibes, you know? Doesn't make Kyle Kuzma feel left out whatsoever because... Uh, yeah, the, the, just the positive me- momentum from the championship, from the offseason gets to continue on to this season. And I think that's something Rob Palenka was obviously cognizant about. So obviously it didn't translate to a win against the Clippers, but you know what? That's just the Lakers story. It it's preseason, be, dude. It's preseason, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll do it for this episode. It's crazy, Alan. I mean, Christmas is coming up. Hope you've done your online Christmas shopping and all that jazz. Um, the Lakers got some early Christmas presents in those nice, shiny, blingy rings. Oh my goodness. Um, I don't know if you saw the inside, but the inside I pretty have. much has all the banners, including so the eight and, 8 and 24 all with the, the chicken jerseys, and Mike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Kobe's are like highlighted, like yeah. different color too. Yeah. It is awesome. There's an, there's awesome. an article on ESPN. I'm pretty sure Dave McMenamin wrote it. Um, he interviewed the jewelers, right? The guys mm-hmm. who like designed it and all that stuff. There is so much significance in this ring. Like, I'm not going to like quote it because I don't know crap about like carrots and all that stuff. But it's like, oh, they spent 90 whatever days in the bubble. Well, there are 90 something whatever is combined with all the different oh, diamonds. Shoot. And there's like 70 something of this and 50 something of that. And like every single detail and like technical component of this ring has some sort of significance with the entire season. So wow, it's crazy. It's like I had no idea like that much intention and like symbolism went into a ring it might be the first one like of its kind so yeah that i would strongly recommend checking that article out it's like rob palenka was crafting the ring himself <laughs> with, all this, with all the symbolism he has all these books and stuff <laughs> they, they should just yeah. have him narrate the story of how the ring was created it's like the lord of the rings ring from yeah created On from the fires 57 of, of the alchemist there's this one quote <laughs> I want you to somehow <laughs> cryptically craft that into this ring. Oh, exactly. All right. With that said, that'll do it for this episode. The Lakers are 0-1 to start the start the season, but no one gives eh. an F because we are world champions and we shall continue to carry Ooh. ourselves that way. Um, on to the Mavericks on Christmas Day. Thank you guys for listening. Alan, Merry Christmas. Thank you, sir. Merry Christmas to you too. Cool. Everybody have a safe, healthy holiday weekend. And... Uh, Basketball is our favorite sport. Basketball is my favorite game. <laughs> and it's back for all of us to enjoy. Hey, hey. All right, see ya. Laters.
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.